This is Meg Tilton at the Eight Cow Life, episode number 15, my interview with Monica Packer. This is the Eight Cow Life, a place where LDS women, and really any woman, can come to learn how every aspect of their life is beautiful and has purpose. A place to help you realize how important you are, and that this place we call Earth just wouldn't be the same without you. So sit back and take a breather in that unfolded laundry, and let's chat for a moment about your amazing life. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast this Monday morning. It is Monday, October 30th, 2017. So clearly it's the day before Halloween and our family, I'm sure like many of yours, is gearing up for that holiday tomorrow. And my kids, especially my four-year-old, is so excited to go trick-or-treating and to dress up in her outfit, her Elsa outfit. She's going as Elsa. We have an Elsa and we have a baseball player and we have a bunch of grapes. That's my youngest, which is a last ditch effort of this mother of five who went over and pillaged her friend's costume stash. And then we have a devil. My oldest is going as a devil, which I find really ironic since she's anything but a devil. And then we have one that's still somewhat undecided. He went as Dorito man to our ward fall festival, but he may go as a monkey. So we, like the rest of America, will be going out and trick-or-treating tomorrow night with our kids. And this leads into my little tidbit about myself. I'm sharing something about myself so that my listeners can slowly get to know me a little bit better. But here it is, folks. I'm coming out of the closet and saying, I hate Halloween. There it is for the whole world to hear that this mother does not enjoy Halloween. I don't know if there's one thing that I really enjoy about it, quite frankly. I do enjoy that I order takeout on Halloween. And I, of course, love the candy because when I pillage my kids' candy, I get all the chocolate, which they, for some reason, don't seem to like. But okay, that's fine. But I've decided that it's just such a hassle to get everybody costumes and get everybody dressed. And then we go out and we walk around in the dark and you're hoping that nobody runs in the street and gets hit by a car. And you go to all these strangers' houses and you get co- <laughs> you get candy. And then you come home and your kids gorge themselves, which I remember doing. And it was a great tradition when I was younger. But it's all candy that I could have bought at my own on my own and just dumped on the table and saved ourselves all that work. Anyway, my dog just walked in. So <clears throat> that's that's it, folks. But here's the thing. This is gonna be awesome because I have decided that because I don't like it so much, that I'm going to hire it out next year. I'm hiring it out to somebody to outfit our entire family, and it's going to be awesome. So stay tuned till next Halloween when I report back on that. Okay, enough Halloween. So I want to introduce the podcast because this is such a treat. You guys are in for such a treat. I was able to interview a woman named Monica Packer, who runs her own podcast called About Progress. And I somehow came across it, I think because a friend linked to it because her friend was interviewed on this podcast. And I started binge listening. And I was like, I need to interview this lady on my podcast. And so I typed that email and bravely sent, pushed the send button. And I got a response back a couple days later that she would be willing to. And so I am just so thankful for her for being able to take the time to talk with me. I know that her life is busy, just like everyone's. And she was gracious enough to come on. And she was so open and so real and just had some really great bits of wisdom to share with each of you. And so I cannot wait for you all to listen to it. So let's jump right to it. Hope you enjoy. 
Welcome to the podcast, everybody. And my guest today is Monica Packer. And are you there, Monica? I am here. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the ACAL Life Podcast. Thanks Thanks for having me. I've been so excited. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy and you have a lot going on in your life and you have your own podcast, which takes a lot of your time. So thank you so much for taking the time today to do this with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad you reached out to me. Yeah. So for my listeners, will you please go ahead and kind of introduce yourself and tell them who you are and about your family and where you've come from and where you are right now? Sure. So my name is Monica Packer, and I currently live in the East Bay, San Francisco area. And I'm in a little tiny 1200 square foot house with my husband and three kids and one on the way. I'm about um, 24 weeks pregnant today. And I'm originally from Utah, born and raised in Farmington. And I mean, you're going to hear that accent come out here and there. (laughs) Apparently, it still is a big part of my uh, makeup Mm -hmm. and my speech even. And (laughs) on the side, I started writing a, a blog. I joined the like 100 million bloggers out there about two years ago. And um, I thought about it for a really long time, though. So I knew what I wanted my mission to be, my tone to be. And it was basically, you know, real life, but still trying, getting away from the highlight reel we seem to get on the internet so much. Mm -hmm. And then from there, about a year ago, I started a podcast with a similar theme. But what I do primarily is I talk to people, ordinary people, and um, people who might have big followings, but people who have no followings. It doesn't matter to me. But I like to talk about their stories, and I like to talk about how they are trying in their lives. I like to talk about their failures and how they overcame them. And, you know, we just – we talk about so many things. Some are really serious. Some are really funny. It's a variety. But what I love about it is we get to the heart of how someone is trying to progress in their lives and also – learn to be okay with the process and how messy it can be. So it's mm-hmm. been a lot of fun and a big, a big learning uh, curve for me and really good for me to have something like that. Yeah, it is. I've learned that with doing this podcast myself. It's so good to have something for yourself, right? As a mom. It is. So. Yes. More than yeah. Netflix, even though I love <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> yes. Who doesn't love Netflix? I love it because it entertains my kids sometimes. Yes. So <laughs> I know you need that. We all need that. <laughs> yes. Well, great. Um, so just as a side note, I think it's really interesting. You have a redheaded husband and so do I. No way. Yes. Oh, that's great. Is he still Super redheaded bad. though? Because mine is looking, well, he, he's been <laughs> kind of getting back to a little red lately, but. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, he's a darker auburn red. So a lot of people don't think that his hair is red, but if you look at it in the sunlight, it is red and he's getting yeah. it peppered with some grays now. That's so, so fun. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're getting to that phase too. And it's kind of fun to see that yeah. gray creeping in, but yeah, yeah, that's, it's always fun to have a redhead. Yeah. So I want to dive in a little bit more about your podcast, your podcast entitled about progress. Why did you start that again? Or did you just answer that? I don't know if I answered that. (laughs) Yeah. Why did you start that podcast instead of just sticking with the blog? Why did you feel like it was necessary to go to the podcast and start including these people who I know you say are ordinary, but I've listened to your podcast and I would say they are anything but ordinary individuals. Well, you know, you're right in that because they're not. But to mm-hmm. them, they are. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about it. Like every person I've had on the show has been like, me? Mm-hmm. Really? And it doesn't matter if they have a following or not. Every mm-hmm. person has responded that way and felt kind of overwhelmed by, you know, by that whole thing. But, um, you know, to start it, I think it was because I felt like the blog and my, and my Instagram, which was related to it, was, mm-hmm. was too me-centric for my taste still. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I didn't want it to be a highlight reel. And I don't think it was, but I was also kind of floundering in how to constantly talk about myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and how I was progressing and trying, but not being a perfectionist. And, and, um, mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed people and mm-hmm. I've been really into podcasts for, I don't know how many years, but 
I'm, I'm super, a super big fan. So I think once I started to realize that there were amateur podcasters out there who were doing this and just creating a great community from it and inspired me to do the same because I felt like I knew what my niche was and I knew what I wanted to accomplish. And I thought I could spread that better to couple it with a podcast. And that's proven to be true. It really has. It's helped me connect with so many more people and share what my message is so much better than if it had just been me talking, you know, or me writing. Yeah. That is so insightful. I just love the podcasts that you do because they bring out, I do. I'm like, Oh, does she have another one? I can't wait for her next one because it's just great information about all different kinds of topics. And it just instills so much inspiration to be able to apply some of those lessons that those people have gone through to your own life. No matter if you're going through the exact same situation, I still think that you can apply a lot of their lessons to your life in any situation you might find yourself in. And I, I hope that's so. so beautiful. Well, yeah. thank you. That, that makes me keep going. It yeah, does. Great. So I am going to make you talk about yourself a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> today. I know you don't yeah. want to do that, <laughs> but well, because yeah. I'm interviewing you, I get to have you talk about yourself. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. So on your podcast and your blog, you've talked about how you set an extremely high bar for yourself when you were young, um, that if you couldn't achieve perfection, you simply gave up. Um, Where do you think you got this need for perfection? Where did that come from in your life? And can you explain the process you went through, and I'm sure you're still going through, to have a healthier outlook on your life and be more focused on the progress instead of the perfection? I know this is one of those things that... I'm sure there's, you know, like the uh, Shrek movie, I'm an onion with so many layers on that question Mm -hmm. alone. But I think primarily it goes back to flawed thinking for me Mm -hmm. Um, and a flawed way of viewing myself. My flawed thinking primarily at the time was that my worth depended on my output. Mm -hmm. And also depended on my appearance because that was related to what people could see. And, you know, actually, I I was a tenacious perfectionist up until college, I would say. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't give up. I would just work harder and grit harder and be harder on myself. Mm -hmm. And I think when I started giving up was when it was just, like, too much and too long of that. And something Mm -hmm. has to give at a certain point when you aren't able to produce anymore because it's impossible. It's totally Mm -hmm. impossible to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually it's just easier to not even try. So I think that's the point I got to more in my adulthood. I became a perfectionist that didn't try anymore, you know, and I still probably look like I was successful. I mean, I was a very good teacher, I think, but the spark inside me was gone mm-hmm. and a willingness to try new things, a willingness to pursue the things I used to pursue. So, you know, in college, when I suddenly wasn't good enough to join the advanced band there, like I had been all growing up, or I wasn't good enough to make the musical productions program, which I had all along before that. And I wasn't good enough to join the dance groups, which I had done my whole life, you know, like Mm -hmm. the list went on and on for me. Mm -hmm. I let those, I just stopped all of those and just let them go completely. So those are the things I quit, you know, and, um, I, my drive went into other things and I still was a huge perfectionist all through college. Um, and that led to eating, you know, I already had eating disorders for, you know, for years off and on probably 10 years, but that's when it really became totally consuming and controlling. And, um, 12 years ago I started my recovery and I feel like it's taken me 12 years to really make progress in that. But over those 12 years, that's when I went into the don't even try because I was scared Mm -hmm. to get back into bad habits again. You know, Mm -hmm. I, so that all tells me the biggest flawed thinking behind all of this is fear that Mm -hmm. I didn't think I was good enough. Mm -hmm. Whether I was an overachieving perfectionist, an underachieving perfectionist, or just a depressed perfectionist, Mm -hmm. um, I was fear. I was fearful. I was fearful of not being good enough, of not measuring up. I didn't have my own route of loving myself. Mm-hmm. Even if it weren't for other people, my output was to prove to myself that I had worth. But I also think doing more analyzing, it was in a lot of ways motivated by wanting to appear to be amazing to other people and to put myself above them in some mm-hmm 
weird twisted way, which I would never have thought at the time, but I totally see now. So, I mean, those are a lot of the roots there, but I think, I think a lot of it too can be related to this idea that we have as LDS uh, women mm-hmm. that, you know, we, we talk about working, you know, I think we do talk about no one's perfect. I think that's been more of the sense I get in mm-hmm. church and in general conference and all that. But still, I mean, there's this frenzied mind, I think, for women in the church more than anywhere else mm-hmm. about going, 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 doing, 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 and being and also appearing mm-hmm. <laughs> so many facets there that mm-hmm. I think is, is actually Satan <laughs> driven. I think he's mm-hmm. the one behind that yeah. frenzied you, mind. Do you think that that comes because we're not able to easily make a distinction between culture and doctrine? Oh, so much mm-hmm. completely. That distinction is what has helped me heal so much. Mm-hmm. And it's probably only been the last five years that I've been able to really make big advances in my healing because I've been able to make that distinction in my mind mm-hmm. and not think that that distinction is evil. Mm-hmm. Because before when I would recognize things that I didn't like, I would chastise myself, you know, within the structure of the church, the culture of the church, I would chastise myself for not being righteous enough to just accept things completely how they were, or that I was being influenced by Satan when really I think it was, I was being influenced by Satan the other way around, you know? Yeah. To buy into the culture. Yeah. Yes. Yes. To say, oh, this is what every other good LDS woman is doing. Yes. So if I'm going to be a good LDS woman, then I need to do X, Y, and Z, even though you knew that those things weren't true to yourself and weren't making you happy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was killing me, Mm -hmm. killing me softly. And I would say that both um, literally (laughs) and figuratively, I think I, I think there was, there were points in my life where I do feel like I was dying, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, almost from a broken heart. Mm-hmm. Can you give my listeners a more specific example of something that you thought about yourself in terms of the culture that was really not you and that really played into that downward spiral of thoughts? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is really tricky to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's important and I have talked about it and it was a really hard thing for me to talk about. So I'm like already getting emotional mm-hmm. because it's scary you know, Mm -hmm. but I think it needs to be said. For Mm -hmm. me, this happened when I was first married. I've always had a really uh, righteous heart. Mm -hmm. Not righteous heart. I've always had the desire to be good. Mm -hmm. And I I am a rule follower Mm -hmm. innately. That's who I am. But I'm also a thinker. I think and think and think and think. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I was born both of those. And those can be very contradictory. Mm -hmm. So when I was first married, I suddenly had this huge shift in my mind. Like, so am I supposed to have babies right away? Am I supposed to not have ambitions or dreams? Because before that point, I had shifted my ambitions from all my external talents to academia. So when Mm -hmm. I graduated from college, I mean, I I think I had like a 3.92 or 3 and you know, I was on Dean's list and I wanted to go get my PhD and teach college. Mm-hmm. And I, cause I loved that, but I felt like I couldn't. And more than I couldn't, I felt like I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And so that was a really trying time to me because suddenly in my mind, I felt less than, I felt unequal. And I wasn't raised that way. I I wasn't raised to feel like, you know, the structure of my home was not like a patriarchal home. You know, it was an equal footing home. But that was the first time where I really was like feeling squashed in my spirit. In terms of you felt less than to your husband or to the men in the church? Is that what what you're saying? I felt less than in the eyes of God Uh as a woman. Mm -hmm. I just felt like... I I felt like I saw signs all around me in the temple and the church and the culture and and uh, my uh, even my expectat- the expectations of me once I got married that mm-hmm. I did feel like I was a less than in the eyes of God 
because Mm -hmm. I was destined to maybe just have babies for all eternity (laughs) Mm -hmm. or to not have dreams or ambitions, even though nobody told me that innate, you know, outwardly, a lot of people Mm -hmm. in my family, I talked to a lot Mm because I mean, I was like in the fetal position over this a lot in ways I never expected. And I was in the fetal position because I was in the fetal position in a weird way. Like, because I was suddenly questioning it, I was mad that I was questioning it and it made me feel even worse. Mm -hmm. you know so it was like a twofold thing Mm -hmm. um but I had this I think what looking back now I feel like this God was inspiring me yes Mm -hmm. you can have dreams you can have ambitions you are born with talents and gifts that need to serve the world Mm -hmm. but I had what I thought I had what I thought was supposed to be God telling me have you know start a family right away leave it all behind Mm -hmm. your family it needs to be where all your gifts and, and talents are invested, which I do think it has to play into. So it is complicated, mm-hmm. but that was the first time for me. And I think over um, five years, it just kind of increased in, in my view of how God viewed me. Mm-hmm. In the negative direction, it increased? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what was the turning point where you kind of stepped maybe away figuratively and were like, whoa, wait a minute, that's not right. Or did you feel that way, I guess? In terms of In terms realizing of, the thought yeah. thinking there? Mm-hmm. Um, in a weird way, I think it came to owning my views and owning how I really felt what was right. So for me, I came to the realization that, you know what, it was, this is all during like the women wear pants at church thing. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was one of those things, like as a rule follower, my whole life, I'd be like, you know, yeah, woman, you wear skirts, Mm -hmm. you know? And then the other side of me is like, that really is not a big deal. That's a Mm -hmm. social construct. And Mm -hmm. I had this, I mean, I was on my knees over that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I was in the midst of huge travail over that stupid question. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, because I, that was my first time of seeing that divide more. I'm like, and for me, when I really thought about it, what does God really want? I thought he doesn't, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But thinking that made me feel evil. So <laughs> that was like the turning point where I had to tell, I had to decide what was God's view of me and womanhood and what was the world's view or the church culture's view that didn't align up and how mm-hmm. I could still make my own path within that structure and be me and be faithful and to live how I felt God was directing me individually. And that has mm-hmm. taken a tremendous amount of courage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taken a lot of courage for me because of the side of me that I want to be good. Mm-hmm. And so learning for me what is true goodness has been life-changing, and it's been a five-year growth. So mm-hmm. five years of a decline, I would say, and lots of pits of despair over feeling like a, an apostate just because I was having different feelings than mm-hmm. I thought I was supposed to. And now a five-year growth where mm-hmm. I think, actually, I think this is what God is telling me is right. And this is who we are as women. And that might, and it looks different for each one of us. That might be a woman who thinks her gifts are supposed to be in the corporate world. And that might be a woman whose gifts are best invested solely in the home, or it might be a mix. Nobody can tell us that, but God. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really grateful for the growth I've had in that, but it has, it has taken a tremendous amount of growth and work and courage for me to get through that and to be public about it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that. Mm-hmm. I know it's not easy. It's an emotional memories and process that you're sharing with us. And I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And I love what you said that it looks different for each woman. Yeah. And that it needs to be different for each woman. And I loved I don't remember her name. She gave the BYU devotional recently in June. I believe it was, or July on education at BYU. Have you listened to that? No, I need to listen to her. Phenomenal. I will send you. I, yeah, I will send it to you, but she talks about women in education and she talks about how for her, the path uh, was to get her master's and her PhD and to be a professor at BYU. That was 
that's basically wow. what she says in this, in this devotional. And that that was who she was supposed to be. But she said, I had a friend who also wanted to get her PhD. But when she asked God, God said, no, you need to be in the home. Mm-hmm. And her, the gist of her message mainly was that we need to support women in the decisions that they're making as they go to their heavenly father and ask what they're supposed to do. So if it's that I'm supposed to go and get a job and do this, this is the right path for me, then we need to all stand behind her and support her in that. Or if there's another woman whose position is that I need to stay in the home, that then we support her in that decision and just really liberate women to make the decisions that are best for them and support them in those decisions. It's a beautiful devotional. Yeah, you will love it. It is so And you know what? Doesn't that, and for me, that shows me that I'm not off track in my thinking. And I do think that I feel like there is, there has been a transformation in our church culture to Mm -hmm. move towards that. And that gives me so much hope. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of whole other things we go 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 into about commitment, despite frustration and all that. But I think in the end, Mm -hmm. I am so much happier knowing that I've done what I think God said was right for me, even though it was hard. And for me, that has been like, I did decide not to go get a PhD. Mm-hmm. I, I did decide to put that on the back burner. And for me, it was becoming mm-hmm. a teacher. And then it was being a mom. And now it's being this on the side of it. And mm-hmm. I think God will show us the way if we're mm-hmm. willing to be open to times and seasons too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the the door has kind of opened on the LDS women and them being able to really express and show who they are and be able to really bloom more. I think the timing is right. And I'm excited to see what women do. And for me personally too, I have had that kind of happen within the last year where I was like, I need something more than just being a mom Uh for my personal growth. And as I have progressed on this path, I have really found that I have become a better mother. Yes, me too. Yeah. And because so, for a few years, I didn't do anything outside the mm-hmm. home too. And I feel like that's when I felt stuck and I felt mm-hmm. like a martyr in my own mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. So yes, you're so right. Yeah. And I think that the important thing to remember is, is that if you are finding fulfillment and purpose and your happy place with being with your children and being a mom and doing all of those mom things, and that totally fills your bucket, then that is great. Yeah, But if absolutely. it's not totally filling your bucket, then it's okay to go find something else that will help fill that bucket so that your ultimate And number one priority of being a mother is accomplished in a much better way. Mm -hmm. Because if I can do something that will make me a better mother, of course I'm going to do that (laughs) because my kids are my number one priority. And so instead of thinking, I have to make my kids my number one priority and shove myself into this cultural um, stigma or mold that we've made that what a good Mormon mom is Mm -hmm. really to say, how am I going to be a good mom? How am I going to be a good Mormon mom and fulfill not only that role, but the other roles that my heavenly father wants me to fulfill in life. And by fulfilling those roles, I become a much better mom and just blossom. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I really, really love that. And I know you talked about on a blog post about being a good Mormon woman. Uh-huh. And I, I think you kind of answered that question in, in this discussion we kind of have that I think that that's what being a good Mormon woman is, is following what Heavenly Father wants us to do as individuals. Yes. And I do to fulfill our highest role as being a mom. And progressing. You know, I feel like that is the point of this life. And we talk about that so much, but I think too often um, we do it in the wrong way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, we assign what it looks like to progress. Mm -hmm. This is what it looks like to progress. When that really, it's not going to be the case for everyone or Mm -hmm. a certain time of your, of your journey Mm -hmm. too. So, yeah, because you might go back and get your PhD someday, right? It's I just could. not yes. right now. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, both so ways. And I might yeah. decide, ah, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. who knows? Yeah, it's just being really 
true to yourself and the value system that you have for yourself and being happy, I think, with that value system and in following Heavenly Father that I think is so important. So, Amen. Yes. <laughs> Great. So I know you've interviewed lots of different people on your podcast. What are some little tidbits of wisdom that you've taken away from them that you've been able to apply in your life now? Oh, you know, there really are so many. There are some overarching themes, though, I would say. Mm -hmm. One is this amazing thing of a trickle-down effect. When you try something, no matter how small it is, even if it's trying a new workout class, and that can be scary. I mean, that really can. But mm -hmm. just trying something small like that, that might not be very consequential. Mm -hmm. It is amazing how there's a trickle down effect in your life. If you are working on something and being brave, it will spread through all that. these other areas of your life. And, and, I, and that's what I interview so many people. They're like, well, I just started doing this and then it led to that. And then it led to this. And, you know, and sometimes it was like a total roller coaster too. And a lot of times, well, every time actually, there's a lot of failure along the way. So even starting something and failing still led to a trickle down effect of greater things. And mm -hmm. that has been very inspiring for me to hear. Mm -hmm. And then Another overarching theme is finding what your mission is. Lizzie Jensen talked about that a lot, but other people mm -hmm. have too in their own way. How that is going to ebb and flow like we just talked about too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times finding your purpose in life is just going for it and seeing where it takes you. You're not, you might not know ahead of time, this is my purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, this is my purpose and I'm going to go do it. It's more like, well, this, I want to do this. I'll just, I'll just try it and see mm -hmm. how it goes. And mm -hmm. it's, and then you find your purpose as you're doing, mm -hmm. even if something doesn't work out. So those are some there. And, mm -hmm. you know, I could go on and on about that question. That's, yeah, I'm sure you could. You've had <laughs> yeah. some great people on there. So yeah, each person's incredible. Yeah. I think though that you bring up a great point that God can't steer a stopped train. So yes. if you're going, then he can help you, but you have to get going. You have to put that momentum in. It's kind of like what President Hinckley says when he's like, get on your knees and pray like everything depends on the Lord and then get on your feet and work like everything depends on you. Oh, and he's I, the best. I, yeah, I, I know. I, I miss him so much. I loved him. But yeah, I just think that's such a great quote because I'm like, God cannot steer a stationary train. Like he mm. has, you have to be moving in order to make direction change and force mm -hmm. corrections. And I think sometimes we're so afraid to even get started Absolutely. Because we're afraid of what will happen or what could mm -hmm. happen. And yet we never even discover all the beautiful things that come from just getting started. And yes. all the that's even that true in our there. little day to day life things with our kids. I mean, if we're so mm -hmm. driven to get the laundry done, wash the floor, get this person practicing the piano, get that one doing homework, get this person learning to read, like if we're so focus on the output there, you miss mm -hmm. what the lessons are on the way and the small moments, you know, of mm -hmm. love and happiness and joy, mm -hmm. you know, even within our minutia <laughs> that mm -hmm. we might have day to day. So I love that too, how that applies both ways. Yeah. That leads into a, another question that I have is how are you taking this path of progression and all that you're learning about yourself and this progression to grow in how you teach your children and how you're raising them? Well, I was blessed with a daughter mm -hmm. who is really similar to me in a lot of ways. And I see that perfectionist side of her come out all the time. So I, maybe I've had all these experiences to help her. I, I don't know, but I feel like I have been equipped with the recognition of that in her and also equipped with tools to help. So we talk a lot with our kids about it's okay to make mistakes mm -hmm. and that's how you grow. That's how you try. That's how you get better at things. And it's, it's helped us a lot. So with my kids, you know, individually with their own lives, I think they do know that this is a home where you try and you work hard, but it's okay if it's not, you know, mm -hmm. perfect. But even for me within my own parenting, I mean, 
boy, has this been the most humbling thing I've ever encountered on. You can't be a perfect parent. And for a long time, I was a very imperfect parent, you know, after the birth of my third. And that was an extremely humbling year for me because I wasn't well equipped to meet the really hard needs that my kids were facing at the time. Mm-hmm. And myself too, and my husband hardly home because he was working so much. But I've had to give myself the same lessons that I'm trying to give to my kids. I've had to tell myself, you are going to make mistakes every day as a mom mm-hmm. and to not be up all night with the guilt mm-hmm. when I've made a mistake like I used to. And I still struggle with that too. But just looking at myself mm-hmm. like I would to my kids and saying, you made a mistake. <laughs> you lost your mm-hmm. temper. Mm-hmm. So seek some forgiveness from your kids, show them how that works and move on. Yeah. I think that that's such an interesting point you bring up because I've really reflected on that, that there is no other role or job in life where we, anybody expects perfection at the beginning, except for motherhood. And <laughs> You're it, so right. I never <laughs> thought about that. And I'm like, why do we put so much pressure? Like I've never oh, been a mom yeah. before. I've never been a mom to this child before because mm-hmm. every child is different. And, the, and every age of every each age child is different. <laughs> and certainly I parent my, cause you know, I have five kids. And so certainly I That's parent incredible. my fourth and fifth child much differently than I kind of parent my three older ones. Yes. And it's because I've learned, Oh, like when my oldest, I remember I have a picture of it. She was sitting on the floor and she was the best baby. I mean, the best baby. And, but I didn't know it because she was my first. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she dumped out a a bag of chips on the floor and I was flabbergasted. Like I was like, (laughs) why, what are you doing? We do not dump chips on the floor. Now, if my youngest, he's only almost two, like if he dumps stuff on the floor, I'm like, well, yeah, of course, because that's what you do at that age. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I, so many people are so hard on themselves and on other mothers. Mm. And I'm like, we've never been a mother before. You need mm. to cut yourself so much slack because yeah. it's just like learning a new skill and it's repeat every day. Like, Oh, this is one I haven't learned before. Or, uh, huh. And you have to try, if you look at it as a fixed thing that you're supposed Mm -hmm. to just be good at Mm -hmm. every time you make a mistake, it's going to be, this is who I am. I stink at this. Like I'm a terrible Mm -hmm. mom. Mm -hmm. I don't have the skills for this. You'll feel even less equipped to Mm -hmm. be a good mom. If you think you are supposed to be amazing at it. And I think having that mindset about it more has actually helped me grow so much more and be a better mom knowing like, okay, well, apparently mm-hmm. I need to grow in this area. So mm-hmm. I need to work on it instead of being like, well, I'm not good at this. So I'm inherently bad. So mm-hmm. that that's so true though. I think we grow so much as parents and realize, um, what our kids do is not a reflection on us. <laughs> like we mm-hmm. think it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we're so OCD kind of, um, as beginning parents, like you talked about with your daughter, because we're looking at them as a reflection of our parenting. And, you know, we might worry too much too about what other people think of our parenting. And I think mm-hmm. the more you have, the more humbled you get, and the more you realize you do the best you can, but these kids are going to be who they are. And mm-hmm. they're going to do things that are age appropriate too, that are really embarrassing and mm-hmm. <laughs> really mm-hmm. hard, but that's not a reflection on me as the good job that I'm doing right now. Yes. I had this thought years ago and I mentioned it in a previous podcast, but I always go back to if people are going to judge me on how my children turn out and rate my parenting on that, then Heavenly Father is a really bad parent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. You're right. That is such a, that turns everything around. mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything. Cause you're like, he's perfect. He's perfect. He's the perfect parent for each of us. And yet we each decide to be like, I'm not going to listen to you or I'm not going to follow and I'm going to make all these mistakes. And he's Mm. still the perfect parent, regardless of our choices or not. That's incredible to think of it that way. That Mm -hmm. is amazing. That's really changing things for me. Yeah. So just remember that. I will. (laughs) That That is such a good way to think about it. Okay. So I know you love talking to women and you've talked to a lot of women on your podcast. So if you were to have to speak in front of a bunch of women, what would you talk to them about? What would be the main focus of your talk? 
You know, initially I would say it would have to be what we've talked about primarily here, you know, progress. Mm -hmm. But actually, I think what I would talk about is owning our choices. I think the hardest point of my motherhood so far, and I'm still, I mean, I'm still still new to this. I have a six-year-old as my oldest, Mm -hmm. but the hardest point of it was when I was doing everything I was supposed to do, you know, quote unquote, supposed to do, should be doing. Um, But I was feeling totally depleted and very overwhelmed and sucked dry and resentful in ways that I hated and felt icky to me. But I think it's because I was doing those things without choosing them. I was doing them because I was supposed to and because I should be and not necessarily recognizing I can make different choices. This is the choice I want to make and need to make at this time for my family. And it's hard. It can be really hard choice. It could be like, I would love another choice, please, (laughs) than this choice, but Mm -hmm. this is the best choice and I'm going to choose my choice. And doing that has shifted so much of my parenthood. I'm doing the same things as I was before, but there's so much more happiness with what I'm doing and more fulfillment for me. And I think more joy in our home overall, just Mm -hmm. by shifting how I'm viewing what I'm doing. You know, not when I'm washing that floor. I mean, probably two years ago, I'd be like, well, here I go again, washing the floor while nobody cares and you're going to spill milk on it. You know, this is all an internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. And then, and now I'm, and you know, now I'm like, oh, I hate it when this floor is sticky. So I'm going to wash it because I want it to be clean. Mm-hmm. And then when someone spills milk on it, I'm like, well, that's how, that's just life. That's just how it goes. I, I view it so much differently. So, mm-hmm. and that a lot has come, I feel like from Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. She's been a guest on the show a few times. And we mm-hmm. talked about this more in our recent episode on goodness mm-hmm. and doing things based off of validation of others or true goodness. Like what is really the choice you make? And that has shifted a lot of my whole life. So, I mean, maybe she should be the speaker. I mean, if I were called to speak, I'd want to talk on that, but it's because of what she's taught me. So let's just plagiarize her whole thought process there. But that, that's that been really transformational to me. And I feel like I see that in mothers at the park or the store. Like I can tell when a mom is so depleted and just, you can feel that resentment inside, even when she's trying so hard to do what she should be doing. And I think the shift is choosing mm-hmm. your choice. Yes. And then liking your choice, right? Yeah. And just, mm-hmm. yeah, owning it. This mm-hmm. is hard. This stinks, but mm-hmm. this is my choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I really think that that's a, that would be a great topic because I think a lot of times we think we are forced into something mm-hmm. when we're like, no, I, cho- I choose this. We need to take responsibility for the choices. You know, I chose to have yes. five children and to have that busy mm. of a house. It wasn't forced upon me. Yes. And that's okay. And what comes with that is some chaos and lots of dirt and oh my goodness, lots oh, yeah. of stickiness. Can't imagine. <laughs> and yeah. you know, so that's okay. And I've really tried to just also be in the moment because yeah. when you're in the moment, you're like, oh my my little two year old wants me to read him a book. I'm going to sit here and joyfully choose to read him a book instead of like, oh my gosh, I have so much other mm. stuff I have to do. Yes. Fine. I'll read it so I can get it done yes. instead of just really enjoying it. Yeah. They rec- they know the difference too. Mm-hmm. My, I feel like my kids yeah. are happier, even if I'm reading them the same book <laughs> Yeah, and in the same moment, same stressful moment of the day, mm-hmm. um, that yeah. shift it matters. And I'm happier too. Yes. I'm like, I get to do this and I want to do this because he, I love him and that's why yeah. I do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. So great. So this has been great. I have really enjoyed this. I wanted to ask you one last question that I'm going to start asking all of my people that I interview on the podcast. Okay. So it's um, my blog and podcast focus on helping LDS women find beauty in their lives and with themselves, which we've talked about today. I believe beauty sometimes comes from places we least expect it. What are some events or experiences in your life 
that you originally did not think were beautiful, but ended up turning into a beautiful part of your life? Huh. You know, I thought about this before and I thought I knew my answer, but now something else is coming to mind. I Great. think, you know, this is a unique thing I can talk about here. I feel like that I, I don't get the chance to talk about very often, especially within my own um, mediums that I've been mm-hmm. using. And that's the faith, um, the faith journey we talked about there. For over 10 years, I felt abandoned by God completely. And mm-hmm. You know, I was doing everything I could think of and seeking him so intently. And this started with my years of eating disorders and just feeling so lost and deep in them and just needing help and peace and direction. And I felt like it never came. And then it came through years of feeling lost in my place as a woman And then it came in years of feeling lost in my role as a mom because I was so overwhelmed by by the very unique needs my kids have had that are really um, challenging. Um, And and that's been really difficult for me because I for a while I blamed myself. I'm not doing enough, so I gotta fast more, pray more, read more scriptures. You know, there was a, a, a frenzied period in my life where I think I. I was overdoing it, you know, trying to prove my righteousness to God so that he would help me and, and, and just reveal himself to me. I have, I don't feel like I've gotten to that point where I still am like, Oh, there he is. There's that moment. Everyone talks about, there's the peace, there's the recognition, mm-hmm. but I can see better now how the past, you know, I think it's been probably 12 years of feeling that way and feeling lost and alone has been actually, you know, and I don't want to say, I don't know for sure yet, but it's beginning to feel like there's a purpose to it. And I feel like the beauty that has come from that is what I'm doing now. And it's that I've shared my struggles with my faith in ways I never would have before. And I've been able to help others through theirs, or at least help them feel like they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And And I'm still, and I am feeling like that light is, you know, they've talked about the Elder Bednar's talk, you know, the spirit can be like the rising sun. Mm -hmm. And I'm beginning to see those rays come over that really dark hill. And I I feel so much more at peace Mm -hmm. than I have in a long time over recognizing this might be my lot in life, but it's still worth it to me. And this is the life I want to live, even if if I feel alone, I am going to believe I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if that was totally directionless because I no, thought I was talking great. about something different, but mm-hmm. I just want to share that because I, I'm realizing there are more and more women out there who feel that no matter what they do, they feel so alone and abandoned by God. Mm-hmm. And there might be a purpose to it. And I think there is. Um, and I do think that recognizing that's part of life are those periods of time. And that, I mean, I have so many prophets I can tell you about and like religious mm-hmm. leaders that I've studied who have been through this. Mm-hmm. It is part of living a faithful life mm-hmm. is working through those and holding on to what you want to believe and doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all part of mortality, right? I mean, it's what we signed up for. Yeah. You know, when we came, we're like, yeah, I'm going to come here and I'm not going to remember you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to remember my relationship that I had with you. And I'm going to try and establish that relationship again. And it's really committing ourselves to being there for God because God's always there, mm. but just putting ourselves in a position to be with him and to see what he sees and make his purposes bigger than our purposes. Yeah. And that's hard a lot of times to do that when you feel like he's not there and you feel like he's walked away to just kind of have that faith, like you talked about, that he is always there. And that when everything comes together in the end, it's all going to make sense. Like I can't wait for yeah, that day where I'm like, oh, I get it now. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that necessarily it will always happen in this life mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, I know exactly why that happened. Mm-hmm. But I have faith that at some point, in the future, in the next life, when 
my vision is broadened to a much bigger perspective that I will know and that will all become clear and it is all for my good and my development and my growth and yeah I think that that's beautiful what you shared yeah maybe I wouldn't have grown like I have yeah if if I hadn't hadn't and haven't been struggling through that but Mm -hmm. there is greater peace in you know like we've talked Mm -hmm. about owning our choices there's a greater peace for me to own my choice to stick with it for life Mm -hmm. that's the choice I've made now and I'm mm -hmm. so much more at peace yeah and I think it's too coming to have peace about the struggle because we think we shouldn't struggle. We're like, no, I'm doing A, B, and C. And I think that if I'm doing A, B, and C, I should feel X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you don't always feel that way. And that's just part of life. That's part of the struggle. and Yeah. And having that perspective, like, yeah, sometimes it's just not going to be super fun. Nope. (laughs) And that's okay. That's what life is. That's what I signed up for and what I fought for when I came here. Yeah, we wanted this. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much, Monica, for sharing so much with my guests. I'm so excited to be able to share this with my listeners. And can you just, great. Can you just um, tell them where they can find you and find your podcast and be able to enjoy that? Thank you for for giving me a chance. Yeah, it's all Mm -hmm. about progress, about progress.com and about progress on Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, I'm on Apple Podcasts and, I mean, I think anywhere, but you can always stream my podcast from my website if people mm-hmm. don't have apps on their phone or don't want to get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be intimidating for people. But I love connecting with people. That mm-hmm. That is huge for me. And I don't, like I've said from the beginning, I don't want this to be a fan club. I want this to be a community. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, reach out to me. Let me know if you listened and let's connect. Yeah, great. So everybody go and listen to what Monica has to say because you won't regret it. (laughs) Thanks, Megan. Wasn't that such a great podcast, you guys? She's so awesome. I hope that you got as much out of that as I did and that you were uplifted and received strength from that interview because that's the kind of interviews I'm hoping to put on this podcast and be able to share with all of you. So make sure that you check her out at About Progress and listen to her amazing podcast and the people that she interviews. You will not be disappointed. Thank you, Monica. Thank you so much for doing that once again and for being such an inspiring and amazing person. All right, everyone, that is it for today. I hope you all have a great week. And here's a little thing. If you stuck it out for the entire podcast and are still listening, I am offering some free life coaching, free, no charge at all. So I'm only doing it for a really limited time. So, and I have very limited spots. So if you are interested in getting some free coaching, will you please email me at Meg, M-E-G, at the eight cow life.com. And we will get that all set up for you. So don't hesitate, go on over, email me because it's going to go fast. And it's amazing. I have been doing some amazing work with some amazing ladies who are just ready to totally take their life from where it is now to just rocking it. So come on over and email me and let's get you set up because it's very limited in the amount of space and time that I'm going to be doing this. All right. Have a great week. Have a great Halloween. It's going to be awesome. And I will see you next week. Bye-bye.